And um, since she was holding me, we obviously didn't, weren't able to lock the door. And at that moment, a nurse came in with a urine cup and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, we need a urine sample. And um, the nurse, uh, my mom was like, I think she's dead. And the nurse looked at me and called a double code because I was indeed dead. I'd gone into respiratory arrest. Welcome back to the Started Somewhere podcast. I'm your host, Ross Alex. Now today, my friends, we have officially made it to episode number 10 of the podcast, and I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. We have a really special guest joining us from Cincinnati, Ohio today, and her name is Elena Martella. This story gets absolutely crazy, and I gotta be honest with you, I wasn't even ready for what Elena had to share with me. You see, Elena died a few years ago and was brought back to life in the hospital. And ever since that day, she made a vow to never take life for granted. And she's currently living out her dream as an NBC morning news anchor. She shares with us how she got there, why she chose that path, the ups, the downs, the challenges, and of course, the juicy stuff. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, Elena, uh, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey there, Pete. I'm I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. We were just talking offline a bit, kind of like half the podcast, so that we have to revisit yeah. everything. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a good one. I'm really excited to have you on the show, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Of course, yeah. I'm I'm excited too. This is gonna be great. Yeah, awesome. So we are in kind of like a quarantine situation right now at the time of making this podcast, but you're still actively going to work, uh, doing what you do best. Uh, so, Elena, for the people that don't know who you are, can you just give us like a brief overview introduction? Yeah, so I am a morning news person here in Cincinnati, Ohio at the NBC affiliate. So uh, I'm still going to work every day. I'm waking up at 2.15 in the morning, get to work by 3.30 a.m. And um, so stay-at-home order doesn't really apply to me right now. I'm, I'm heading out every day, Monday through Friday, um, certified yoga instructor on the side. I am also on the board of directors for Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, a few years back, I was actually granted a wish. I was more like, like 10 years back, I was granted a wish. And um, since then, it's been one of these organizations that I hold so near and dear to my heart. So it's an absolute honor to be on the board here in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, um, which is actually the largest branch in the country. Um, so I'm on the board for that. Um, I like to do public speaking and share my story, which we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, um, and I'm also, uh, yeah, I just launched my YouTube channel last week during the quarantine, during the extra free time that I have after work. So uh, pretty exciting yeah, stuff. Yeah, lots of stuff. Yeah. I, I love it. I love <laughs> it. And I love your, your attitude. You seem like a really, really positive person. You have a lot going on. We're in a lot of hats right now and uh yeah. i think that's awesome you know and, and a lot of the listeners that are listening right now are wanting to learn how to wear multiple hats you know maybe mm -hmm. they're doing something right now that they're not enjoying or they want to mm -hmm. get out of or you know they've always wanted to do something but they never took that step they never took that leap into actually doing it so yeah lots to, lots to talk about but i, I do want to revisit what you just said uh, a few just a minute ago so you wake up at two o'clock in the morning I do. I do. I wake up at 2.15 every morning. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's really weird. So I'm, I'm a big person with mantras, okay? As I mentioned, a yoga instruction. Um, so I've, I really believe in mantras and affirmations. And every morning when I wake up, 
And this is going to sound like a Looney Tune. I say, great day, great day. Today's going to be a great day. And I say just like that yeah. out loud. And uh, Chris, uh, who's my boyfriend who lives with me, poor, poor guy, he has to hear it every morning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 2 a.m. sets the tone for the day, gets me off and running. So um, yeah, I love it. I'm a morning person and a night owl. I yeah. guess you could say, like so Michael Scott. What time does one? <laughs> what time do you have to go to sleep to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and have energy? Oh man, I so I should be going to bed a lot earlier than I do go to bed. I, when I started with this shift, I would say I went to bed around seven o'clock, and you know, it just kind of gets pushed back and pushed back. Yeah, I can stay up later. I'll be fine. Lately, I've been going to bed 8, 45, 9 o'clock, and I've been fine with that, honestly. But uh, I do nap, so that kind of adds it in. So I would say go to bed 9, wake up 2.15 or so, and then take a two-hour nap. Mm. So I kind of get seven hours in there, do the split sleeping, right. which works for me. But for other people, uh, they got to do it all at once. So, yeah. So some nights I'm going to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're just waking I, up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have friends over on the West Coast, and I'll be waking up at 2 a.m. They're still up from the day before, uh, so it's kind of yeah. interesting. Well, yeah. you're definitely but, I mean, Go ahead, go you ahead. never know you have to do it. You like, you don't think you can do it until you actually have to do it. And when you do have to do it, you're like, oh, this is bad. Yeah. Well, so a, a, a years ago, I took a job um, yeah. working at a hotel restaurant doing the breakfast buffet. Oh, and yeah. It last, the job lasted one day because oh, wow. I found out I had to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to get yeah. to work at four and be ready for breakfast at five. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't do this. This, is, <laughs> this shift's not for me. But uh, no, yeah. that, that's super awesome. Um, what time do you actually get on air? We get on air at 4.30 in the morning. So I have to be at work by 3.30. And I'm a nerd and I've always one of those that says, you know, you got to get there at least 10, 15 minutes before. So I'm at work by 3.20 every morning um, for my 3.30 a.m. shift. Mm. for the show to start at 4 30 gotta bring us the news right yeah gotta do it news yeah. doesn't die <laughs> that's right that's right so uh is um media broadcasting something you've always wanted to do yeah i uh so in kindergarten i got the curious george award i've always asked a ton of questions like and i still continue to ask questions it's only gotten worse from there so i went into the right field for that but um, growing up, I would watch the news with my parents and um, one of the local news newscasters here. I just loved her. Her name's Cami Derking. And uh, ironically, my uh, freshman year roommate was her daughter. So it kind of it's like the universe was just working in our favor here um, that my roommate happened to be her daughter. So I got connected with her um, and got to continue my dream. Like when I was in college at OU, Ohio University. I went to school for broadcast journalism, which the Scripps School of Journalism at OU is one of the best schools in the country, um, which many people don't realize because it's mm. typically known as a party school at OU for their Halloween party. But uh, yeah, and so, I mean, since then, it's just grown and grown, and I was the uh, anchor at WOUB, which was our newscast at school. And during college, I got an internship at Local 12, which was the station that Cammie was at. And so she helped me get an internship there, just kind of pulled some strings. And I loved it. And I, I, when I was there, I was like, I know this is what I want to be doing. 
And then I ended up getting an internship at CNN. So I took off for a semester and lived in New York City and worked for the AC360 show, which was very cool. Um, and that was during the, um, I think, Obama and Romney um, like election time. So it was very exciting time to be working at CNN. And um, it's just continued to grow since there. But then once college, uh, once, once I graduated from college, you got to like, once you, you, you get these internships and you think, oh, yeah, I'm like doing great. I'm at the top, whatever. But then you have to start in a small market. So I started off in Rochester, Minnesota. That was my first job. Um, and it's actually known for the Mayo Clinic. So I did a lot of Mayo Clinic stories, medical related stories there. Um, but it's also a lot of farming. So I, you know, one of the funniest stories, this, I, this might not be appropriate, but I'm just, it's the most memorable story I've ever covered. This farm in a town called Lyle, Minnesota, um, like $30,000 worth of bull sperm was stolen. And so that was like the most memorable story I've ever done. Like apparently there's a black market for bull sperm. And um, really? wow. yes. What, um, what the heck? <laughs> Wait, I can just go on wait, for hours. First of like, all, on a first of all okay, okay. $30,000 <laughs> for bull sperm. I, Crazy, these, like, right? breeders stealing bull yes. sperm to... Yeah. Wow. And and so that was the most memorable story I've covered. And, I mean, How does I'm in one my steal bull videos. sperm? Just... Well, so they, so they like, kind of like milk. You, yeah. you know, you milk, you sperm them. I don't know. You sperm them? Is that the word I use? But uh, yeah, it's, it was like in a jar, like jars, and somebody stole it all. Interesting. And uh, yeah, so uh, good times for <laughs> sure. But I've, I've loved journalism, and I just continued to push and push through the hard times of Rochester, Minnesota. Um, then I went, moved on to Indianapolis, which was my second job. And now, which was, it's always been on my bucket list to do the news in my hometown. And Cincinnati is my hometown, so... Check it that's off. Awesome. So this is my third job in the business. Yeah, that's, a, so that's that's incredible. That's kind of my new story. So you've you've been at it for a long time, right? For, uh, this is my fifth fifth year. Yeah, fifth year. So you, you've put you've put time in fifth year broadcasting or fifth year like school and everything, and now and, and fifth year broadcasting. So broadcasting, like grad, right? graduated so and then school, like in the exactly. Mm -hmm. So you put in years into yeah. into, into doing this, into doing what you've wanted to do, and. I think that's really important for the listeners out there that haven't gotten started doing what they've wanted to do or, you know, following their dream path, mm -hmm. dream career, is to understand that it takes time, right? You got to put the work in, you know, you, yeah. you, you said something, you said you were doing an internship, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. like getting your feet wet, getting your foot in the door. Absolutely. I think internships while you're still in college, that's, that is key because that, I mean, they don't really look at your grades. I'm, I don't, I don't think employers really look at your grades. I, I don't know. I'm not an employer, so I don't know, but I would say look more at your hands-on experience more so. And then your talent on air, you have to do a demo reel. If you are interested in going into the news business um, and you send those out, and I think they really look at that, uh, like your presence on camera, and then also your experience uh, that you've had yeah. throughout your college. Yeah. It's it. I mean, I'm not really one to watch too much of the news, but with yeah. everything that's going on, <laughs> I've been watching a little more than usual. Yeah. And uh, you know, it seems like a really exciting 
career uh, for some you know like i always see cnn like the back room it's like hustling bustling getting the stories field reporters out there doing what they do like just seems like an Mm -hmm. exciting you know world to be in it it is very exciting and it's different every day i mean right now obviously a lot of our stories are focused on the coronavirus but it's, it's something different every day. Like the other day I did a story on a woman who started, uh, she's an author, but she also has an immune system deficiency. And um, she started a text messaging service that, you know, sends out inspirational text messages every morning to people. And now she has over a thousand subscribers to the service. And then I did a story on what domestic violence shelters are doing now with, because you know, with the social distancing and the stay at home order, obviously if all these people are in, a shelter, they can't be together. So what they're doing with that. And then I'm like mask making store. It just, there's, there's so many different avenues and it's something new every day. Yeah. What would you say your favorite part about media broadcasting? Uh, What's your favorite part of that? Um, Sharing stories with the community because uh, I'm very, I'm very much one that likes to do uplifting stories. My favorite types of stories are like, if there is a sick person and they're overcoming this obstacle um, and they're able to overcome this test that's come their way. Um, I love to share those stories and the ones that tug on your heart and Mm -hmm. being able to tell people about this person who is going through these struggles and how they're overcoming it. uh, I I just love those types of stories. So that's my sharing with the community and all the people that you meet. um, I like it. Really cool. What would be your least favorite part? Um, the probably the not norm the unnorm I don't even know what the not normalcy of it I guess because like you you have to have your phone ready um, at all hours especially with this type of coronavirus stuff that's going around you could be called in at any moment uh, to go into work so you always have to be on your game um, in fact no matter where you go you kind of always have to be ready for action um so and at a moment's notice you could be called in and um so that that's like my least favorite part especially during months that um there's a there are periods called sweeps periods where you're not allowed to take off at all and um i think every newsroom every news person can say they're not a fan of sweeps because yes it does help you like see where your your stance is as a station um in the market that you're in, but like you can't take vacations on Feb in February, May, July, and November because of sweeps. So that mm-hmm. kind of puts a damper on any vacations you might have with people. But it, I mean, I wouldn't say there's really anything I hate about it by any means. I, I there's, it, right. I, I like the news a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. Cause, I mean, it is your dream. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it has been your dream career. I would hope that you enjoy Definitely. every every aspect but you know we all have our ups and downs when it oh, comes to for things sure and, yeah you know uh things that trigger us at times and you know mm-hmm. um so what would you tell somebody if there was a listener out there that wanted to get into media broadcasting wanted to follow the path that you followed like what mm-hmm. are some tips that you would give that person i would say you know even on your hardest days don't give up because when you start unless you are very, you know, very talented and happen to luck out when a larger market that might have an opening and be willing to take a chance on somebody just out of college. Um, Oftentimes you do have to start in those smaller markets and it's very little pay, a lot of hard work. Oftentimes you have to shoot your own video and then edit that video together yourself. And then 
deliver that video and that story that you wrote um, all in a day. So mm. yes, there will be days that you just kind of think, oh man, like why am I doing this? But then um, once you pass that and you get past it and move up in, in your levels and um, it's just very rewarding. You just kind of think, man, I did that. I'm grateful that I, that I stuck with it and have achieved this goal of mine. You know, a lot of people, when they're working towards a goal, end up quitting. Uh, mm -hmm. They throw in the towel, right? They're yeah. like, this isn't for me. This isn't working. I shouldn't be doing this, like you said. Like, did you ever have those moments where you felt discouraged and you just didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Or Yeah, I, you know, I, I would say I had them often. My very first, so my very first market, Rochester, um, so I was there for two years. And for the first half year, I was actually in our bureau location, which was Austin and uh, Austin, Minnesota. And I had a, uh, so like, I didn't work with anybody. It was just me all day long in this tiny little closet size of a room. And my very, my very first week on the job, um, it, this, this room was located in a uh, radio station. My very first week on the job, I lost the key or I, I, excuse me, I left the key inside and then had to climb over the wall because the wall like didn't go all the way up to the ceiling. It was just kind of like one of those like fake like separators. I had to climb over it back down to get the key uh, to get into my office. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is the worst. I started like, you know, and then I was like, it could be a lot worse. I got this. Like, but, um, but yeah, I think. And, and, you know, if, even if you do do something that you think is your dream and you want to throw in the towel, maybe, maybe it really isn't your dream. And that just means that there's a better calling out there for you. So if you do give up on something that you thought was your dream, I think you do have to hand it to yourself for at least giving it a try. Because mm -hmm. I, I know people say, oh, you know, you're a quitter, but maybe it's not that you're a quitter. And maybe it's more so that, yeah, this really isn't right for me. And I'm meant to do something else. So um, you can also look at it that way as well. So maybe it's not necessarily um, that person's calling. Right. It's almost like you have to go after it to realize that, you know, it's not for you. Right. Maybe. So you don't wonder the what ifs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Do you think people should do what they're passionate about? Or do you think people should do what makes them the most money so that they can do what they're passionate about on the side? I think you should do what you're passionate about and ultimately the money will come to follow. Um, I mean, if, if you really are strapped for cash and you have a family that you need to provide for, maybe do get a side job that, that gives you a little bit of a stream of an income. Um, but it doesn't need to be anything that you're like breaking your back over, but it does allow you that, you know, security to be able to feed your family. But I do, I am a firm believer that, you know, if you do follow your passion and you stick with it and you follow it, eventually um, that the money will come. That's, mm -hmm. that's always been uh, one of the things that I've So said. what if you don't know what your passion is? Like, what if you, oh. I, I used to struggle with that. A lot. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm passionate. Like I enjoy playing video games. So I'm, I'm in mm -hmm. real estate, right? I'm, I'm okay. like full blown business, like, you know, renovating yeah. properties, rentals, the whole nine yards. But I'm not necessarily passionate about that, if I'm honest with you. Like, I yeah. look at a house and I see a, 
a check. I see profit. Well, hopefully I would see profit. I'm passionate about playing video games. Yeah. Uh, watching stuff, you know, like the, you should be an esports. Uh, yeah. Then. So, okay. I'm <laughs> glad you said that. Cause I actually, I think I'm going to take it up as like a side hobby and see how I do. Yeah. Cause I love that whole Diego, San Diego. Something. He's like, they like won the world. I, I'm not really into it, so I don't know the terminology, but his name is Ma, and they just won the world thing, I don't know, of eSports. E so yeah. it's really profitable. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big, uh, big yeah. business. Big, uh, actually, in <laughs> Vegas, um, at the Luxor, they have oh, yeah. an eSports arena, and it looks like a stadium. It's, it's insane. They're like movie theater size screens all over the place. I, you know, is that's, that's the building that's like a pyramid, yes. right? That's yes. yes, I've seen that. Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. Computers everywhere, thousands of them, and you can just go in there and play. And they do these huge huge tournaments. But I mean, yeah. So for somebody out there like me that yeah. doesn't know what we're passionate about, like for you, you got started early. You know, media broadcasting was something that you wanted to get into. You knew what you wanted mm -hmm. to do. What would you tell that person that doesn't know what they're passionate about? And you know, honestly, like I. I think you, what you're passionate about can change as well. Cause through time, like I've found myself loving yoga and I've found myself loving public speaking. And I think I might be more passionate about those things more so, but the key is to find something that you love doing, but it doesn't feel like work. So, I, I mean, like you, you're passionate about video games or if somebody likes, um, Pro wrestling, I say that because my my boyfriend has I a see. wrestling YouTube channel. For our YouTube, yeah, this is uh, uh, this is watchers his, uh, here. We have a yeah, display like of the, uh, we belts. Do, yes, uh, so a big uh, wrestling display behind me. This is usually where he does his interviews, um, and he's turned that into his you know his little niche. So just something that you love doing anything can yeah, like you can be passionate about knitting and and you know make that some sort of income make your um make an etsy you know shop or something i i think anything can be uh profitable as long as you think outside of the box mm. I, mm -hmm. I think it's important uh, really really important because if you don't do what you enjoy doing mm -hmm. life is just going to be miserable it's not going to be there's fun, no point right you have yeah. to enjoy what you're actually doing. I this used to, a, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah. So this is a quote my mom always says, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I like it. Yeah. I used to, I used to serve tables. Okay. And I hated it. I, yeah. I, oh my goodness. I hated every day <laughs> going into work so much Yeah. that it would make me sick. <laughs> and uh, I promised myself, that's actually why I got into my, be, mm -hmm. be in my own business, because I couldn't stomach it anymore. And right. There's a lot of people that go through that. You know, it's, it's unfortunate because I believe that nobody should do something that they hate. Right. I, and actually, I to, to back off that, I was a bartender in college um, and I would dread going in. Mm. I, at first, I loved it. I thought at first I was like, yeah, this is great. This is thrilling. But then after a while, like all the drunk people hounding you, it just got to be so much. I got burnt yeah. out. And there were even some days I would be like, man, I hope like I accidentally cut my finger when I'm cutting this lemon <laughs> so I can leave work. Like, yeah, 
I, 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 I can relate. I can relate. The, yeah. the one thing I will say about bartending is sometimes, you know, especially when you're in the college ages, leaving at two in the morning and looking at all the money you just made. I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that right there, you know, it's because it's the college, cash business. Yeah. 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 Making like, it's, yeah, I mean, actually it's good in any, at any age, like if you can deal with it, great yeah. for you, but I could not put up with it. Mm-hmm. So bartenders out there, awesome yeah more power to you i will respect you when i'm at the bar because i know how it goes we know what it's like to work in service i'll tip you well right (laughs) exactly so um i want to talk about the 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 juicy stuff right because you have a very unique story uh and we're going to link your youtube and instagram in the show notes so all the listeners out there make sure that you go and subscribe to her youtube channel okay oh thank you yeah Uh, because you have a new video coming that's going to be talking about a time in your life that is just, whoa. Um, Yes. So you actually died. I died. I did. Yeah, I uh, was legally dead. And spoiler alert, I made it through. Here I am. (laughs) I'm very, very happy that you made it through. Uh, Yeah. That's that's just, wow. Okay. Um, Can you... Do you mind sharing with us? Yeah, I'll tell. I, I'm very open about it because it's it's honestly shaped me into the person that I am today. And it's helped me get this positive mindset um, and this go-getter attitude that I have. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of a backstory before all of this happened. So I was a senior in high school and I woke up at four o'clock in the morning every day and would run before school like a looney tune. And uh, so I'd wake up, I'd run, go to school, run after school. I would say I had a lot of body image issues. Um, I was obsessed with exercise. I was nervous. Oh, if I don't exercise today, what am I going to look like? Like, am I going to gain weight? Those types of things. And, um, and I, I knew I was, I was wearing myself down. I, I wouldn't go on family vacations because it would get in the way of this running world that I put myself in. I wouldn't, I started stopping hanging out with friends, like it got in the way of social activities. And I knew that I had to make some changes, but I just, I, I didn't know how to make those changes. Um, and I, and frankly, I don't know if I even would have been willing to do it if I didn't have what happened to me um, really kind of kick me in the butt uh, and, and, and give me a, give me a lesson. Um, so I went to school. It was September 8th. Um, I went to school like any normal day and did my, well, I woke up and did my crazy girl run, then went to school, ran again, visited my grandma at her nursing home. And um, my dad went with me as well. And when I was there, it kind of, it felt like my insides were on fire. I've never felt a pain so um, extreme and intense in my life. Like my insides felt like they were just burning and, um, I thought maybe, you know, I was hungry. So when we left, I had my dad take me to Panera, which is like one of, which was one of my favorite places to hang out in high school. And um, when I was there, I was like, maybe I have to go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and he was waiting for the orders. And I I remember kind of just falling to the ground and I, the ground was so cold and I was so hot because I was just so like sweaty and felt so sick, um, that I was just laying on the ground. And like, I I remember feeling the cold tile against my face and thinking, wow, this feels great. And 
if you know me, you know I'm a huge germaphobe. So that's enough in itself right there. But I was taking forever. So my dad came in and, you know, checked on me and found me on the ground. And um, he called an ambulance who uh, they, they said, you know, you can either drive her to the ER or you can have us take her. And then a whole series of events that I that I'm not going to get into right now happened. But hours went by. And um, I remember I was in my bed later on, still in this agonizing pain. And um, I looked out at the moon and I remember thinking like I was in my bedroom looking out at the. I just remember how big and bright it was. I think it was a full moon that night. And I was like, man, just let me die right now because it, I was in so much pain. And um, I got up again to go to the bathroom. And this time I passed out and I must have hit the vanity because and like made a noise because my dad found me and my pulse was racing. So he called 911 and they rushed me to the hospital. And I, I remember this part very vividly and, and it just sticks out. I don't know if EMTs aren't allowed to hold people's hands or what, but I just remember being in so much pain. I went to hold the one of the people in the back of the ambulance with me his hand and he pulled it away and I remember thinking wow this is so mean like I like want to hold your hand I hurt so bad right now but he pulled it away and uh that part just stands out big time but um we got to the ER and my mom was there my parents are divorced and I was a little confused why she was there too but my dad had called her and I was I thought you know Maybe I, I, I had to pee really bad. And we later learned through all of the testing and stuff that my bladder is smaller than a normal human, which explains why I always have to pee. But um, that has nothing to do with what happened. But um, so she took me to the bathroom and um, she kind of had to like hold me into the bathroom. So I'm like a senior in high school and my mom is taking me to go pee, like very humbly, obviously. Um, and she says that I was just thrashing about and all of a sudden I went limp. And, um, since she was holding me, we obviously didn't, weren't able to lock the door. And at that moment, a nurse came in with a urine cup and said, Oh, I forgot to tell you, we need a urine sample. And, um, the nurse, uh, my mom was like, I think she's dead. And the nurse looked at me and called a double code because I was indeed dead. I'd gone into respiratory arrest. And, um, so they, Double code called, wheeled in a stretcher, took me away, and um, and I had the I had a death experience. Um, I I don't know if you want me to share that. I will. I'll, I'll share it. Um, so I was walking down a beach with this figure in white that was next to me, and I don't know if it was Jesus, but it was a man, and um, we just kept walking down the beach together towards this big bright light. There was a big bright light, and at the end of the beach. And at the end of this light, there was a gateway. And my great aunt, who was my favorite person, was behind the gateway. And she had her arms outstretched. And she said, come to me, baby. And I remember just thinking, yeah, this is it. I'm so excited. I get to be with my aunt. Her name was Aunt Fedora, but I called her Dodo. I was like, I get to be with Aunt Dodo again. So I pushed open the door. And um, the figure next to me said, stop. It's not your time now. And I woke up. And when I woke up, there were doctors, healthcare workers all around me. And I remember at the back of the room seeing my parents just standing there crying. And I was like, why are they crying? Like, I'd, And at this point, I didn't realize that I had actually died. I just thought I was just kind of like going through this like weird dream type thing. And I looked over to my right and asked the doctor next to me, I said, am I going to die? 
And the, then the doctor was like, we're just going to do the best that we can. And when he said that, I was like, oh, my God, this is not good. And, and like all these thoughts kept running through my head. I thought of all the things that I hadn't done. I thought of all the things that, you know, I hadn't experienced that because I'd put myself in this little like cage up box of a life. And I thought of how I'd never gone skydiving. I thought of uh, how I'd never get married. And at that moment, I vowed to myself that if I make it through here, I'm going to make sure everything that I want to achieve in my life happens. And um, I said, just let me make it through. And I'm going to make all these changes that I need to change. And I'm just going to be a completely different person. And um, they, they wheeled me back for emergency surgery. And it turned out my intestines had been twisting the entire time. And I had died of sepsis. And they had to take out 15 feet of my small intestine. And like the, what they took out all crumbled in the doctor's hands because they were so dead from twisting all those hours. And um, I had an ostomy bag for about four months. I'm not sure if you know what that is. Do you know what an ostomy bag is? I don't. Okay, so I, I, a lot of people don't. It's when... Um, the tip of your, they, they take your intestine and instead of going to the bathroom out of your butt, uh, ah, yes. you, they stick it out into a bag right. and you relieve yourself into a bag. So I had to have that while I was healing and I, that, that thing was awful. So I, I, I feel for anybody that has one, um, like you, you'll be walking around and it'll just break all over you, spilling everything. Um, just a very humbling experience. And I couldn't eat or drink anything. So I had um, IV nutrition in the port. I don't know if you can see yeah. right here. Like, yeah. Yeah, I see the uh, In here. And um, so that put me into liver failure because TPN and lipids are super hard on your liver. And uh, fun fact, polar bear bio pills help regenerate the liver. So that's what I took, and it ended up uh, fixing my liver, which was good. But, uh, yeah, so I, I was told that I might have an ostomy bag the rest of my life, that I'd never be able to eat anymore the rest of my life. Um, but I would visualize my intestines healing every night, and, and my mom would as well. My mom was my sidekick through it all. We would just visualize my intestines healing and the cilia inside growing back. And, and I would say, thank you so much for letting my intestines heal and letting me get this ostomy bag takedown. Thank you for letting my, them heal and absorb nutrition so I can eat again. And uh, lo and behold, here I am about 10 years later and I'm eating. I, I do have a little bit of a restricted diet. I can't eat sweets and or fried foods, but um I'm still eat, I'm, I'm eating and I, uh, I don't have an ostomy bag. So I think visual visualization is huge. She would hold a pendulum actually over my stomach and just like visualize with the pendulum swinging it around. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, since then I have made it my vow to live each day as if it's my last, because who knows it, it could be our last. And, um, you know, if, if somebody tells you the odds, don't listen to it. You can overcome anything that somebody tells you you can't do. And th there's no such thing as odds, really. There's no such thing as limits. It's all mental. If you put your mind to it and you just keep working at it and working at it and visualizing, you can make it happen if you do put in those efforts. And um, so I've always, you know, as I mentioned before, my bucket list of being in the news in Cincinnati checked that off. And 
Um, so yeah, here I am now. And I think it's very important that people recognize that no matter where you are in life, it's okay to continue to grow and evolve and maybe change direction, no matter what career path you're in. Cause I have been liking to do these, um, like speaking things on the side um, and teaching yoga as well. So, you know, there's no set path and there's no rules. So if you are in, you know, doing something and you realize, Hey, I don't want to be doing this. Just, uh, you know, put in the efforts and kind of make whatever else, what it is that you want to do happen. Wow. Elena, that, that was probably one of the most intense stories I've ever heard. Wow. Thank you so it's a, much it's for definitely, sharing that. Uh, Thank yeah. you uh, for opening up, you know, on, on the show about uh, your past experiences. That mm-hmm. holy smokes! You know, when you said that you had, um, when you found out that your intestines became twisted, I actually have a friend. Uh, his name's Dominic, and the same thing happened to him. Uh, really? I, I, he never shared with me like his. He has a scar from here to like his belly button where they had to Okay, take, I, I'm happy yeah. to show my scar if you want. I don't know if you don't want to yeah, yeah, show sure, that yeah, on yeah, your, yeah, okay, yeah. here, let's see. Yep. Same thing. Wow. There was the ostomy bag right there. Yeah. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. That for the audio listeners, um, make sure to check out the, 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 the YouTube video to, uh, to see. Um, yeah, that'll be released. Uh, I'm sure by the time this is, this is out. It'll be out. So yeah. yeah. Wow. So um, a few follow-up questions for you. Uh, yeah. Number one, did this just happen or was yeah. this okay? So this can happen to anybody. It it can happen to anyone, but um, it's you know you're more likely to be struck by lightning than have it happen. It's rare. And and you know it happens to more so older people, uh, like the elderly, uh, whose intestines are more supple. Like they're you know. Right. elastic i guess versus someone who's a senior in high school so it was very rare for for it to happen to someone my age and i think they actually put it in a medical book um my, my case at least yeah wow uh second follow-up question is how long from your time in the hospital mm-hmm. uh did it take you to recover like to get back to full normal life Yeah. So I, uh, I mean, every now and then I still have issues still to this day. Like, um, what's the date today? April 7th, just last month, I had a little blip and ended up in the emergency room. Um, but, but for the most part, it's very rare that it will happen. Um, I, uh, I would say from the hospital to being back to school, my senior year, Let's see, September, October, November, December, January, February. It was about six, seven months. I I, I went to school like a month, mm-hmm. I think, of my senior year of high school. Um, so yeah, that but must like, have so that was like the full, been rough. The yeah. Full, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, yeah, man. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that that experience for you really made you not take things for granted. You know, so many times, like even with everything that's going on with coronavirus and, you know, people just take things for granted. I'm a big advocate for live every day. Like it's your last day. Time is not infinite. And so many people, Elena, live as if they get two lives, right? Like this one is just like a, 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 a rehearsal. 
and mm-hmm. they're going to get another one. And that, that's just not true, right? I mean, no. you're here right now. Tomorrow's never promised. You need to enjoy your time here. Yeah, and you know, if this wouldn't have happened to me, my my first my dress rehearsal, which I I as you just said, uh, up into my senior year, that that would not have been a life at all. I can guarantee on my deathbed, whenever that may be, like in the future, I would have looked back if I continued that pathway and thought, man, like what did I do with my life? Like I didn't do it. Um, like I lived such a life of mediocrity and repetition. And I think that it's really key for people to, even if you are in kind of in that mindset, like, oh, what if, what if this happens? Like, do something every day, at least for a little bit, that makes you happy because you never know. You could really like, keel over like in the next five mm-hmm. minutes, really, for all we know. Why do you I think, had no idea. Yeah. Why do you think people never think it can be them? Like, especially with this whole virus thing, like there's still people congregating Mm -hmm. and it's like, like, why do you think, why do you, why do you think some people just act as if they're invincible? Honestly, I have, I really, I don't have the answer for that. I I don't know. I just think, you know, I, I think because it happened to me, I know that anything can happen. So I don't really know why other people think that way. Um, but it, like you said, the invincible people just think they're invincible and like, you know, you can scoot on by. Right. So yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a big believer that success loves preparation, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're prepared, you're organized, you put in the work, success mm-hmm. just comes to you. It loves that. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people just, you know, even with the whole pandemic that's going on, like they're getting smacked up right now and with the realization that they have not been prepared for something right. like this, like financially, right? Uh, medically, like whatever, whatever, you know, aspect. Um, a lot of people just live their lives as carefree and not prepared. Like they just, yeah. you know, and, and I wish more people would be prepared for something, you know, if knock on wood, that, that, that thing ever does happen. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's, you know, there, there is something good about being carefree in in general, when it comes to life, you know, just kind of living for the moment. But when it comes to something like this, it's also important that you do take those needed steps to prepare because you just never know, especially with something that, you know, that shows asymptomatic in some people, Mm -hmm. like for all we know, maybe, maybe you and I have it and we just aren't showing it. But if we do happen to go to the grocery store and, you know, get what we need, we could be passing it on to somebody else who is more vulnerable. And I think, um, people just need to, you know, yes, it's okay to be a free spirit and and enjoy life and whatnot. But also like when it does come to these serious matters of life and death, it should be taken seriously. Absolutely. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't make that change until mm-hmm. it's too late or until something happens. You know, yeah. right now with everything. Me. Yeah. Like, so financially. Me, for sure. In, in, yeah. what, in what, what, what aspect? Oh, like, like, I, I don't know if I would have changed my ways of, you know, being obsessed yeah. with running and living like burr, 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 if that wouldn't have happened to me. So I'm a good example of it. Yeah, for sure. So I also believe that, you know, we can learn from 
other people, right? Like we can mm-hmm. learn, like hearing your story. I think today I might do a handstand or something just to do it because I never <laughs> you did can do it. You I know what I mean? It. Like, but like financially speaking, right? So many people right now um, were, were not prepared for yeah. something like this to happen. And now they're freaking out. They're panicking because, hey, well, you know, half the country's closed and they can't go to work mm-hmm. tomorrow. And now they're, you know, potentially going to lose a lot of the things that they worked for. And well, if for the last year you were saving a little bit instead of going out every Friday night or, you know, spending that $5,000 on, on that vacation, you may have been okay. So I like to live my life a few months, a few months out. I love being spontaneous. I'll get on a plane tomorrow and fly to China or Russia. I love, I love being spontaneous. But I also recognize that I need to be prepared for my for myself and for my family. Yeah. If in the next two months, you know, I need to do something, I, I need to do this, I need to do that. I'm prepared. I'm set up for success. Right. How, how do you feel yes. about that? I, I agree. I, I think a lot of people um, with this experience that might not have been as prepared are going to ha- this be their learning lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody's hardships in life um, that that moment, that's a transition period that kind of determines which path you'll end up taking. I think this will be that, that, that moment for a lot of people who are, are, uh, you know, have been lucky enough not to be, um, like in some sort of like illness or car crash or some sort of trauma like that. But this is a trauma for a lot of people. And I think this is going to be that, um, learning lesson for a lot of people to use to push forward. I agree. Mm -hmm. A few months ago, uh, actually, 2019, summer 2019, I went to an eye doctor, ophthalmologist, to get a eye exam because a lot of people don't get eye exams because, yeah. you know, I, I don't know, but I read online <laughs> that you should get an eye exam. So I, so I, went, to, yeah. I went to go get an eye exam. And, you know, I'm thinking it's like you go to the dentist, you know, everything's all good, fine, whatever, you mm-hmm. leave here, you know. So I got told that my, the pressure in my eyes was higher than it should be. Oh, wow. And this is another thing. A lot of people don't even know about eye pressure, but eye pressure is not like blood pressure. Eye pressure is completely different, and it's silent. Like, there, you can't feel it. You can have extremely high eye pressure and not even know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they, they dilate your eyes. Have you ever had your eyes dilated before? Yeah. Okay, so then you yeah. know. So you know that they put that yeah. thing, and they tell your eye pressure. So um, the doctor tells me, Terrible bedside manner, by the way, this doctor. Oh, my goodness. I would never recommend this doctor. Uh, but he tells me in, like, the scariest voice that I need to come back for another um, appointment because he has to do an ultrasound. And um, the eye pressure is high and yada, yada, yada. And, he, you know, he. long story short, he gave me the idea that I had glaucoma or I was going to have glaucoma. And glaucoma is actually the silent theft of sight it can happen to anybody yeah. it's asymptomatic and you know one day you just start losing your vision and there's no cure for it mm-hmm. the next appointment was for two months out so i had to wait two months sick to my stomach every day thinking yeah. i have glaucoma reading every article reading every reddit post every youtube video trying to figure out am i gonna go blind basically yeah i went back to that second appointment and I actually told that doctor, I said, you know, I'm freaking out because I think I have glaucoma. 
And he goes, well, you should be freaking out because it's important. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I need a new doctor. Oh, my God. So long story short, he does the ultrasound and tells me that I'm going to have healthy eyes for the rest of my life. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I, you don't know what I went through for the last two months. But that day, I have never been so grateful for my sight because the thought of something like that happening is terrifying, right? So I'm full believer in being grateful and gratitude. You know, if you're in a bad situation, there's somebody out there that has it worse. Mm -hmm. And there's, you have to find the positive in every situation. Be grateful for what you have and definitely work towards the things that you want because you can always have more. You can always be more, but be grateful for what you have right here, right now. Yeah. I'm a believer. Yes. And I, and you know, that actually, you know, if you are grateful for what you have, like when you do put in those efforts to, you know, what you want more, you know, maybe that first time you'll fail, but be like, oh, well, I am grateful with what I have right now, so it's okay, but I will still keep pushing forward to make that happen. So I think gratitude really is is the root of, mm-hmm. you know, all movement forward. Exactly. And and I know you're yeah. you're a Gary Vee fan uh, yeah. as well, a big Gary Vee fan myself, and he always preaches gratitude, right? Yeah. Gratitude is so good. Gratitude is the attitude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, uh, Elena, you mentioned in the beginning of this uh, podcast that you're on the board for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yes. Okay. Yes, so can you tell us how that happened, why, and, you know, kind of what it's all about? Yeah. So with my illness, um, so a lot of people don't recognize or don't realize that Make-A-Wish is for critically ill children. So it's not necessarily kids that are going to for sure die. Um, you just have to have a like a, a life-threatening illness, and what I suffered from was a life-threatening illness, and so I got to have a wish granted, and my wish was to shadow Matt Lauer Today Show, but for uh, headline news sake, we'll just say I shadowed the Today Show, given what Matt is uh, up to right now. But yeah, so I shadowed the Today Show, and. Um, and, you know, the whole experience really helped me get a glimpse that there is a future beyond my illness. And um, it kind of sparked that, you know, it, it made me realize that I, I there is, you know, I can live life and achieve dreams that I do want to achieve. Um, and I obviously got to meet everybody on the Today Show. And uh, it just made such a dark period of my life. It, it gave such a glimmer of hope in that period. And um, ever since then, I have been a big advocate for Make-A-Wish. So once I moved back to Cincinnati um, and they called me up and said, hey, we would love for you to be on the board here. And uh, so I said yes right away, non-hesitation. So I sit on the board for Make-A-Wish, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. And um, yeah, so we do various luncheons, galas, and um, and, and I, like meeting with the kids, obviously, we help grant their wishes. And um, I think just, I think because I had a wish granted, because a lot of people on the board are just kind, heart, kind souls that uh, just feel for this, this organization. But um, I'm one of the few that has actually been impacted by it firsthand, like to get a wish. Um, so yeah, I, and, and that's how I became on the board. And I've, um, MC like events for them as well. And it's just, 
I, I just love the organization so much. It, it makes such a difference to be able to see that, that future beyond your illness. Wow. That's, that's incredible. And I'm sure that's something you're really passionate about. You enjoy doing yeah. it and you went through it yourself so you can relate. Um, mm-hmm. relatability is huge, right? Um, yeah. Being able to relate they, they to can see, kids. you know, look, look, she did it. She's, she's okay. Now, like I, I can make it through this. I, you know, I can push forward and live a normal life after this illness that I'm facing right now. It's possible. This isn't, this isn't a death sentence. So I, I hope to maybe at least impact someone in that manner right? by, by being on the board. Yeah. How many wishes do y'all grant every year? Um, you know, I'm not sure the exact number, but we just had the gala, um, at the beginning of March, right before all of this stay at home stuff. And I think that night we raised $380,000 in that, just that night event. And that is enough for 38 wishes right there. Cause each wish is about $10,000, but it's very sad right now, actually, because with all of these, like the stay at home order and the travel restrictions, a lot of kids aren't able to have their wishes granted right now. Um, so they're on hold. That's actually what I was, uh, going to ask next, you know, I'm sure Mm -hmm. you guys are being affected, of course. Yeah. All the theme parks are closed, sporting events, you know, everything is, uh, shut down. And Disney's the number one wish as, as like, as everybody probably knows. So um, that's definitely impacted a lot of wishes right now. So uh, out of curiosity, when, um, somebody in the program wants to meet like a celebrity or, mm-hmm. you know, do something like, um, shadow the today show. Like who is, does somebody like just call like that person's agent or like, you, like how does, how do you it's, connect the dots? It's a whole ordeal. Like there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of background info that has to happen. Um, it, it's a long process. Like it takes months. I think from the time when I applied to when I actually like was like, this is what your wish is. It was at least four months. Wow. So it's a long process. Okay. What, mm-hmm. uh, what, what's one of the, your favorite wishes that you've seen granted other than yours? Of course. Um, I, I really like, um, the ones like, as you mentioned, the celebrities when they do something, I know I saw one, there was like a will, uh, will Smith one a few years back and he, there was a sick child who wasn't was unfortunately and he did pass away this child but he was a huge will smith fan and will i believe he actually came and watched his new movie with this this child in in the hospital so i i love that one i love to see when celebrities will take time out of their day and and you know give this child like a chance to shine and there's this this boy that i know um through make a wish here um, his name's Evan, and he he is confined to a wheelchair with cerebral palsy, and he had a wish to meet Tiki Barber, and he went to, you know, went to watch a game with them and, you know, spent the entire day with Tiki, and then after the game, uh, I, this is like, this is just me trying to remember how Evan told his story. Um, like, after the game, Evan went up, or Tiki went up to Evan and was like, I just want you to know, like, my best part of my weekend was being with you. And it's just, it's just so touching to hear these stories and how it impacts these wish kids to push through and um, very inspirational to hear that there are kind hearted people out there that will give the extra time of the day um, to kids going through the darkest period of their lives. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Um, 
love the program, love what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, th- thank you so much for, for sharing again. Um, Elena, switching up gears here a little bit. Okay. Um, you are definitely, you know, going to be doing some really big things in the near future. You're super motivated, super positive, uh, enthusiastic, right? Uh, I, I can just tell chatting with you for the last, you know, yeah. 45 minutes or so. You're going to go on to do some big things. Um, so are you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Um, what kind of goals do you have set for yourself, right? Where do you see yourself in the future? What does it look like for you? Well, I would love to write a book about my experience. And I actually have kind of put that in, in motion, um, putting some words to paper already. Um, just continuing on sharing the message. It's doing more speaking events with people to, you know, show them how truly precious of a life, real, uh, of a gift life really is. Um, I, would, I wouldn't mind going into life coaching as well, actually. I think um, a lot of times people will come to advi- to me for advice and, you know, and for motivation. And once I'm done, they're like, whoa, I wish I would have taken notes on that. So like, as you mentioned before, um, you know, how people like, how do you know if you have your passion or your gifts? And, and I think also by how others come towards you, like with what they come to you for advice on can also tell that as well. And I found that a lot of people do come reaching out for you know, extra pep talks and stuff from me. Um, so I would like to continue on in that space as well and um, just enjoy life for the moment as, as it's it. thrown at me. And also, you know, I, I, I'm really big into yoga. So um, I, I would love to just go to inner city schools, especially with this coronavirus that's come. It's made me realize that a lot of children, you know, um, they're not given the, the opportunity to learn yoga and meditation. And I think going to some of these schools just as a volunteer and show them that practice, um, that's something I'd like to incorporate as well. So I did yoga once. Um, <laughs> so I, there's this thing called like class pass where yeah. you said, oh, you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I saw a yoga class on there. I attended, uh, Nicole and I, my fiance, and, uh, yeah, so I literally thought that was going to be like my last day on earth. <laughs> it's so it, hard. It yeah. A, people don't realize yeah. it. No, no, no. It, like you got to put emphasis on, on, on how hard it really is. So it was, it was hot yoga. So first of all, the room, yes, a freaking sauna, right. Couldn't breathe the second mm-hmm. I walked in the room and there's this guy next to me. He's doing like handstands, like backflips, doing all this stuff. Mind you, this is supposed to be a beginner class. Right. So I'm like, I'm already yeah. getting freaked out. <laughs> Uh, and apparently you're supposed to bring your own mat. I didn't have one. Anyways, long story short, <laughs> the movements uh, were, I, I, my heart's never beat that fast in my life. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'm t- it was like, I was doing like full blown sprints, like cardio. Like you think yoga it, is like just a little like stretch here, stretch there, but this is intense shit here. It can be know? very intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, I, I felt I felt good after. I was sore. Probably couldn't walk for a week. But you know, I definitely yeah. see the benefits to uh, yes. to, to doing it. And man, some people are just flexible, flexible people. You know, it, yeah, it's it's amazing. It, it, there's no rush. Like once you're done, you kind of have that yoga high, and you're like, huh. Yeah, huh. yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, I gotta give it another shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, 
Elena, a lot of the listeners, a lot of the viewers, they're going to want to connect with you, right? They're going to want to um, reach out, you know, thank you for sharing your story and everything like that. What's the best place that people should reach out to you? Um, you can you can find me on Instagram at Elena Martella. And as you mentioned, I just started my YouTube channel, um, Elena Martella, on that as well. And I have videos. I kind of I kind of add a little humor into uh, my stories and my motivational videos that I make is kind of like add a little funny flair to it. So it's pretty, pretty cool to do. And my boyfriend, Chris, he, he has a YouTube channel. So he's been helping me through this and his, his channel is pretty successful. So he knows the ropes, but, uh, and then Twitter at Elena Martella awesome. as well. All right. Yeah. And we'll link all that, uh, in the show notes. Now, Elena, I ask every guest the same question and mm-hmm. I want to ask you, uh, I ask that you take few seconds to think about the answer because it might get a little deep uh okay. you, you ready for it mm-hmm. all right what is the absolute best piece of advice that you've ever received in your life oh oh man enjoy life Boom. enjoy life i love it simple powerful tons of uh meaning behind it right you gotta mm-hmm. enjoy life you have to you have to, yeah. All right. Well, Elena, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you Amazing so story. Really, really inspiring. And uh, I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, what's next. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to see what's what's next with you and your uh, e- esports. Yeah. Hey, you never know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hi, Elena. Till next time. Take care. Yeah. All right. All right. That does it for episode number 10 of the Started Somewhere podcast. I really hope you enjoyed episode 10 as much as I did. Elena, seriously, you are super inspirational and brought so much value to the show. It was a pleasure to have you on as a guest. Now, guys, we're going to keep the content rolling. I have so many new episodes planned, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And of course, I'll see you in the next episode. Take care.